Welcome to the Bloody Broads Pod. We're your Bloody Broads. I'm Bhavna Sharma. And I'm Jamie Howard. We are your horror guides from page to screen and everything in between. And today we are covering 2022's Fresh by Mimi Cave. We're so excited to cover this one. So, you know, the drill, spoilers. There's going to be many spoilers going forward. <laughs> we fangirled out. Um, it's no secret. Bofn and I love all the actors involved in this. Yes. But especially Sebastian Stan. We're Stan like, Stans. <laughs> we Stan Stan on this podcast. We are a Stan Stan podcast. <laughs> well, I tweeted out the first time I watched this, I tweeted out and I said, Sebastian Stan is this generation's Jack Nicholson. I will not be expounding. Yep. That's it. That's it right there. Am I wrong? (laughs) And for you avid Bloody Broads pod listeners, you will remember that in our first series that we did on The Shining, we did mention mention in our fan cast that Sebastian would make an excellent Jack Torrance. And I feel like this was his resume for it. This one right here. A hundred percent. When he had his hand around Noah's neck and he was like, stop freaking out. I was like, okay. I was like, I need to pause for a minute here and just take a second. (sighs) Well, Bob, why don't you give everyone your first thoughts? Hit him, hit him with a top rope. Um, well, I mean, I went into this movie not knowing too much. Like I just knew that it was a quote unquote thriller um going into it like and and, you know like as much as you know when you like an actor your social media feeds because the algorithm and everybody's listening and you know gets flooded with a bunch of stuff and like so I did I did see all like the set updates and all that kind of stuff so I did see him in like a um uh in scrubs and stuff like that like so I had seen stills here but I was like what the fuck is this about is he a nurse is he a doctor what's going on so but after watching it my first thoughts were like wow the minimal marketing kind of worked but we could have we'll get into the marketing later but like the minimal marketing kind of worked because if you go into this kind of knowing the quote-unquote twist it's not that it would ruin it for you or ruin your experience in any way but more it's not as fun no uh, yeah. So first off, it's no secret that I love this movie because I've posted about it on social media multiple times. Agreed. I think going in with as little detail as possible is the move on most horror movies, but especially this one. Yes. But this, this still didn't go where I thought it was going to go. Same. Like it went into a surprising, like in a surprising direction. M. Night Shyamalan, take a, take some notes. On how to freshen up your twists. But um, so here's the thing. I think this was beautifully shot. There was a lot of gorgeous, gorgeous scenes in this. Uh, I got tagged a lot in the house, like screenshots of the house. Agreed. This is very much my vibe. I appreciate y'all knowing me so well. But also, this movie was 100% the perfect allegory, not only for what it's like to date as a woman, but for an abusive relationship. And we'll also dive a little bit deeper into that. Oh, yeah. This hits a whole bunch of nuances when it comes to that, that like most films that are even about spousal or relationship abuse don't dive into. Well, and it started with the marketing, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So 
the marketing could have shot themselves in the foot and maybe they did because I'm so glad that I had no idea where this movie was going. I mm-hmm. heard cannibalism thrown in around in discussions and I was like, cool, I'm in because I'm a huge fan of Hannibal, the television series. But I'm so glad it wasn't what I thought uh, on multiple occasions. So this movie gaslit the audience in the first 30 minutes the same way that Steve gaslit lights Noah in the first couple of weeks of their relationship. Yep, that completely did. Because I, even though I knew, I didn't know cannibalism, but like you kind of get the gist from the posters that came out, you know, like a hand in a meat. Plastic wrap. Plastic wrap and stuff like that. So it's like, okay, cool. Like, all right, all right. Food is involved. Are we dealing with the Jeffrey Dahmer type? Like, what are we, what are we going with? Like, you know, like, and that's when the cannibalism started. But, but we, <laughs> but we saw the set pics of him and Scrubs, and I thought it was going to be him, basically co-opting Noah into his cannibalistic cult, which he kind of tries to do, but not really. Yeah, he tried to make her like Charlotte LeBon 2.0. Right. Oh, God. Um, Which we will touch upon that point because I thought that was so well done. It was. So from the jump, this movie wanted to be, I feel like, a little more satirical than it actually wound up being, which is was, again, my beef with old, like I said in one of yeah. our older episodes. Um, I don't think it was off base at all. I just think there were moments where it could have been heightened a little bit. And that goes back to the writer. So Lauren Kahn was the writer and she also worked on the other guys and stepbrothers, which I love. So I see which where explains some of that, the comical moments in this one, right? Like I see where that humor was trying to come through and the grocery store scene, huge success. I thought it was adorable. It was hilarious. Bobna's like holding her hands up. Like she, it was a meat cute, cute, but uh, he met his cute meat. <laughs> And, like, the scene with Steve getting shot in the dick, hilarious, success, we love that. Hilarious, the scene where Steve gets his dick bitten off, also hilarious. Hilarious, (laughs) but the scenes with Molly, especially in the first 30 minutes, I was afraid. Mm. I really Mm -hmm. thought Molly was going to be a 2D character, and then the title card happened, which we're going to come back to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I thought she was also going to be, like, a 2D character. And, like, as a person of color, I'm always, like, hyper aware of, like, how my brothers and sisters get, um, or, you know, or siblings, depending on what you go by, get represented <laughs> in in film. Because it's, like, we're the ones that either don't exist, die first, serve as, like, the people with brain cells that die anyway, and stupid people live, you know, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> I mean, but that's what we kept running into. So I've seen this movie three times now. I saw it Mm -hmm. once on my own the day that it came out. The second time I watched it on Clubhouse with Jazz from Girl That's Scary, Sheree from Nightmare on Fear Street, Ryan from Brother Ghoulish. Were you in that one, Bob? You popped in. I was there. Yeah, I popped popped in on that one. And then the third time I watched it right before we recorded this. And it's such a masterpiece. But every single time we all have the same reaction of like, okay, why does Molly have to be such yeah. a stereotype at the beginning? You know? Like, I, I'm just going to come out and say it because I'm just going to come out and say it. Noah's a dumb fuck. Oh, 100%. We're because for someone 
for what a dumb fucking bitch for someone that is that tired with the dating scene so you you get the you get the idea that she's been through it a lot because you know she's scrolling through the apps you know she's been on date she goes on a date with this chad guy i think his name was actually chad his name is Um, literally chad yeah his name is literally chad we'll get into him in a moment but like you know you get this you get the idea like they paint it you know through like less is more that she's got this experience with the dating scene and yet she skips out on the minute details that would stick out like a red flag. And I'm not talking like she has to be fucking James Bond level astute or Sherlock Holmes level. Like I've got everything mapped out, but But she commits every sin of dating as a single woman. She literally goes. So she meets Steve in the grocery store after her disastrous date with Chad. Yeah. Immediately gives him her number instead of getting his number first. Yeah. He doesn't have social media as we come to find out, which if you're listening to this and you don't have social media, we do understand, but you should at the very Mm. minimum have like some kind of presence. My mom who hates social media at least has it in a, I keep in touch with my family. I don't post, I don't look at it. It's not even on my phone type deal. And people I know our age. So like, you know, like Steve's age, like, you know, anywhere between no and Steve, which is, I guess where we lie. Um, they don't, um, the people that I know that don't like social media at least have one or two that they lurk, you know, like it's not like, or have like somewhat of a presence enough to know that, you know, whatever, or at least a LinkedIn. Everybody has a LinkedIn these days, right? Something. And especially because as we come to find out, he has a wife and child. You can't tell me that that woman, this blonde, blue eyed, perfect, perfectly sculpted woman doesn't have him posted i mean that eventually is his downfall. I mean, we find is out that, why <laughs> yeah that's eventually his downfall is that they have a photo together on facebook which can we talk about the items that were posted on her facebook as yes molly is scrolling through his facebook first of all posing with the house <laughs> first of all that's like step number one in all of the do not get abducted social media <laughs> posting is that you don't post your damn address on facebook but also she okay so she had that and then she had like a a blue lives matter flag and i was like girl yeah i saw that i was just like can we not right now can we not i think i think it's such a good juxtaposition between this perfect quote-unquote life that steve has built with his wife Mm -hmm. versus what noah's going through because you took hilarious notes because listen (laughs) i thank you I've been in a three and a half year long relationship. It's been three and a half years since I've been on a first date. Thank God. Bobna's fresh <laughs> on I'm, the scene still. And I'm single as fuck. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Bobna and I were texting throughout this movie and we were like, this first date is disastrous. First of all, his name is Chad. Red flag number one. Second, Second of all, all, he texts her, this place is cash only. Okay, fine. I understand going Dutch. Like, that's kind of my policy, too, is that I'd want to be, like, especially on a first date, you know, you right. don't know this person. My policy, hell, forget dates. My policy, even with friends, is, like, I'm I'm going to pay for my share, and if I want to treat someone, I'll treat someone, but I'm going to at least pay for my share. So when I order my food, I'm not ordering it, ordering it as if Jamie is going to pay for my food. I'm ordering it as if I'm paying for my food not you so like let's say at the end of the day so jamie you're like okay cool bob i got your big mac like great i'd be like great thanks you know that's great so this motherfucker text her it's cash only 
and reminds her in the middle of the like at when the bill comes around that oh this is cash only and she's like oh yeah well you texted me yeah i know that he also asks for the rest of her leftovers and and then he tells yeah. her to just tip a little less sir what trash of course he also, also talks you're not a teenager right we're not teenagers we're grown adults he also yeah. talks to the server horrifically he's like I need sparkling water. Bubbles, you know bubbles. As if yeah, because he gets his bubbles before. Because he gets his 2006 era JT fuckboy scarf. He gets like I don't know General So sauce or something on it. Like I don't know. Insert white AF Chinese food sauce here on his on his scarf, and he's like, you know, like you just said, he talks to her like, oh, you have bubbles, like sparkling water bubbles. You know bubbles, and as 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 a as I. Keep count, guys. This is my second time this episode. As a person of color. <laughs> in case you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. In case you don't know. Um, uh, the hell? I'm hyper aware of this shit. Like, you know, like, how many, do you think I haven't gotten that? Or my mom hasn't gotten that? Or my grandparents haven't gotten that? Like, you know. Motherfucker, please. Like. He, she's trying to help him in that scene. And that's what really kills me. And, of course, Molly, her black best friend is the voice of reason so here's where bob and i were a little concerned because molly is a the best friend b the Mm -hmm. black best friend and c the black best friend that has an aav way of speaking and Mm -hmm. we all know people that speak that way naturally but this did not feel and i'm so sorry i apologize to this actress if this is how you normally speak but because everyone else in this film was so white she felt a little out of place, which might have been the point. That I might mean, have even Bartender been. Paul didn't seem out of place, though, but he also spoke in AAB. Right. Oh, he or was AA, so fine. I can't remember the abbreviation. I'm so sorry. AAV. Yeah. AAV. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's very fine. He's what a handsome man. He was but so handsome. Why was this about him? <laughs> listen, I did love that when Molly calls Noah, their friend's theme ringtone is the golden girls theme because i get that that was very much me the last time i ever unmuted my phone like six Mm -hmm. years ago but we get that opening scene just to i think to juxtapose how horrible it is dating is right now versus how dreamy steve played by sebastian stan (sighs) sets himself up to be he does all the right things and that's what makes the rest of this movie so scary to me yeah, it's like you knew like okay, I'm just going to straight up say it. I'm trash for his filmography because his filmography is insane and I do want to touch upon that at at some point. Um so I knew I was going to watch this. I know what I'm about. All right, listen. You get to a certain age, you just know what you like and I was like I don't care what genre it is. I know I'm going to like this because Sebastian Stan always puts on a masterclass in acting and in this case it's unhinged. Charismatic, Correct. unhinged. He's got his uh, Ted Bundy hat on, like, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. He, he even mentioned he even mentioned that was part of his research was into Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer. He actually mentions that in the press for this film. Yeah, um, Bobna found these amazing articles where he talks about <laughs> his love of this particular kind of horror and also how he feels about Titane. Titane. Yeah, I always titane, say it back. Yeah, Titane. Yeah. Yeah, which holy crap! <laughs> that we'll is a ride. Cover that. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we will we'll cover that. I will eventually be recover from the first viewing of it to cover it again. <laughs> um, but but, but back to Sebastian. Really does, yeah, yeah, he really does put on a masterclass. I think of the slow burn 
in yes. terms of acting. Yeah, almost to the point where I'm just like, sir, what is your dating life? I want to know now because <laughs> you good. Because are you all right? You you good? You you okay? You need a hug? You need a shamrock shake? Like what's going on? Not a shamrock shake. Uh, <laughs> forever mad. Those are not available year round. Right. But here's the thing: is that he comes up to her and he can tell because she is a single woman living in the city. He can tell that she's probably a tired of the dating apps because she's already received a dick pic earlier in the movie. And she goes to the grocery store dressed in her joggers, her socks over her joggers, or as the Arctic Monkeys would say, tracky bottoms tucked into socks. Um, Which, guilty. I have that exact outfit she has on <laughs> in this movie, and I was like, whoop. Yeah, you know, like, her her hair's done in that quote-unquote messy ponytail, but she still looks like perfection <laughs> going to the grocery store. Like, you know, um, like, she's got that, like, she's definitely giving off the vibe of, like, fuck off, I want ramen. Oh, 100%. And it's funny to me that he's so charming because it is Ted Bundy, right? But Mm -hmm. that's what this movie's whole, I guess, overture is, is that women put ourselves in these situations and we don't really have a choice where we have to trust that men are being honest with us. Yeah. And I mean, I'm no stranger to having conversations with random people and then them becoming some of my greatest friends of course i i don't have enough time to go over everybody but i can give you some really short examples one friend i met in line at the film festival and she's like 10 years ago actually in line for shame um by the the mcqueen movie you know and she's still one of my good friends today like i met a good friend of mine when he worked at a comic book store he worked at midtown comics in new york like and through him i've met some of my like through him i've met some of my other friends like it's it's like you know uh, that's who I met Jamie, our graphic artist, through. Like yeah. it's just it's like stuff like this happens, and uh, we're from the era of Live Journal. We're from the era of MySpace. We're from the era of <laughs> Tell like our age, Bob. Listen, they already know. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but like we're from the era of like your parents say, "Don't meet anybody internet stranger danger." I don't get it. To like, I don't care. I trust this person. Like I'm gonna meet them in a, on like a subway platform. <laughs> But that's the thing, right? Like, I met my partner on Bumble. And if I had not gone on Bumble, we would have never met. And I think this movie does such a good job of showing the horror of what it's like to date as a woman who wants to date a man in specifically North America. Yeah. And I think, too, it's it's tough because it all weaves into this bigger theory of you know, this movie is an allegory for abusive relationships. Yeah. Like it's, uh, I mean, you kind of get that vibe going in because you do get that, like, this is too good to be true. Charming ass Steve with his grapes in the, like cotton candy grapes in the, in the produce aisle, which by the way, I would take them on in a panini. (laughs) Listen, I'm telling on myself, but if Sebastian Stan was like, Hey, do you want these grapes? I can't even eat most raw fruits. Like I'm allergic to it. But I would be like, sure. <laughs> Co-signed. But I can't eat grapes. But co- you know what? I, amend that to something I'm allergic to. I would take an apple from him. <laughs> He's going to listen to this and be like, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, he, listen, he gets worse said stuff about him for free on the internet that I'm pretty sure he's read. 
I mean, Pim and Tommy just wrapped. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this, this whole time that we're watching this movie, I think we see Noah's heartbreak, right? Like we see where she yeah. realizes that a, he's a fucked up cannibal. And then we end the movie on one of my favorite lines of all time, which is he's married. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's one of those moments where we just realize what trash he is. And I think that speaks volumes to sort of this idea of, okay, here's the bar where we as women set it for our partners, right? Mm-hmm. Here's where we hope they land. And for those that can't see this, I'm moving my hand and yep. incrementally lower. <laughs> yeah. And then here at the bottom is kind of where a lot of people land and actually. Which is. Uh, a line I used, uh, actually, I used this line on our, our friend's Nightmare on Fierce when I went on there to talk about Evil Eye. Great episode. Check it out. And then check out our episode on Evil Eye when that drops. But, um, <laughs> or it already did drop by this point. So, yes, by check it out. By this point, it's done. <laughs> but like I said on that episode, the bar is in hell and they still find a way to trip. It's, it's tough, right? Like, there's this yeah. whole idea of... If you dress a certain way, guys will like you. If you act a certain way, guys will like you. And then there's this turning away of, thankfully, starting with our generation of, well, who cares if that's what they like? I'm going to be my own person. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, sometimes the men who are quote-unquote allies turned out to be (laughs) some of the worst offenders. And it sucks. Some of the whiniest babies of them all. Correct. Correct. And I think – You know, I think this movie overall speaks to the idea that women who date men kind of have to go into a temporary psychosis. So Mm -hmm. it's like a a temporary dissociation even uh, to date or even have relationships with them because we have to distance ourselves from that idea of, well, here's what I hope he'll be versus, all right, here's here's what I was given. And I mean, sometimes that stuff takes time, but I don't think Noah had that much time. Though, speaking of, I'm glad we're on this topic. (laughs) Like, there were, back to the red flags now, like, when he meets her in the grocery store, he talks about his sister and his niece. Like, that's his opening line, right? Like, he goes, oh, yeah, like, my sister and my niece, like, you know, like, blah, 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 something about the cotton candy grapes. Who the fuck cares? Point is, he mentions. That the niece asked for cotton candy grapes, and she said, and if you don't come back with them, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Which is someone who has a sailor's mouth, that would have gotten me. I would have been a line and sinker. Yeah, and and as someone that's had, like, and, and that knows people that have good relationships with their, like, uncles or aunts, like, that's a thing. Like, I definitely had a relationship like that with one of my aunts growing up and stuff like that. So, it's like, I get it. Um, but he mentions them, and, like, the only other time he briefly mentions them is when he's drugging her later, but not even. So, like, when they go on a date later, when they actually get to go on a date at the bar where we meet handsome barman Paul. Um, I believe that's his name, right, Paul? It is, um, and he's very attractive. The handsome bombman. Um, they he talks about his dead parents, but he doesn't mention his sister at all. And like in this rewatch, I caught that he mentions her briefly when he's concocting his uh, drugged Manhattan or old fashioned old fashioned for her. Like he briefly mentions candle. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the candle, which sandalwood is a great scent. Um, Correct. <laughs> but he doesn't really like she just goes with it you know like she goes like okay he's got dead parents i've got dead parents he's cute 
I want to smash. Like all of my personal alarm bells were going off because I'm super suspect of anyone that's like, oh, I have this, this, and this in common with you only because of how my dating history has been, right? Not even dating, but just like first dates. And then on top of that, how my history of, I guess, manipulative uh, relationships has been within religion, which is, again, we talk about this a little bit in some of our other episodes, but just it's a whole can of worms. And this movie triggered so much in me in a good way, right? Like this was, again, this was like watching all of my early 20s dating mistakes. With a much more attractive main character. Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay, like we've said before, listen, if it was Sebastian Stan, like, hell yeah. Uh, to quote to quote Drake, hell yeah, fucking right. But... <laughs> Another Toronto superstar along with Bobna. Yeah. Oh, bless. <laughs> but yes, hell yeah, fucking right. But life is not filled with Sebastian Stans in aisle six. Unfortunately... <laughs> There's more Chads in this in, in our lives than there are Sebastian Stans in Aisle Six. Um, uh, <laughs> he had to be a Steve because who the hell is Bucky? <laughs> Bucky would never. Neither would Steve. But, um, but we've already mentioned Marvel that we are. Fans. <laughs> we've already. You already know we are a Captain America and Pals squad over here on the spot. Anyway, I digress point is like yes he's beautiful he's great he's charming but again we fall back on noah's dating history and like girl i get it the the well is dry the well is hella dry but that doesn't mean you fall head first into the next one because you see like a few drops at the bottom right she first of all it made me nervous how many drinks she had on a first date with him because when <sighs> i was single it was my rule to never have more than two drinks with a guy on a first date Because I wanted to be sure that, A, I was representing my true self and not just my, you know, little buzzed self, but B, so that I was fully, you know, aware of my surroundings. And that doesn't work for everybody. I get it. Not everybody's a lightweight. That's fine. But she starts having these drinks with him and he's saying all these things that are huge red flags. He's agreeing with everything she says. He's Mm -hmm. relating to her on this deep personal level with details that are weirdly specific. Especially and he's following with, up with her and asking her questions and it's a whole keep deflecting thing. it off of him. It's a whole thing. And what's sad is about the deflecting part is that we're so used to guys that we go on dates with just talking about themselves the whole time. And sometimes that's people being nervous, right? Like sometimes that's people word vomiting because they're nervous. But we're so used to people just constantly talking about themselves that when someone asks you about you, if you're in an insecure place, you're just like, they care. They care. They want to know. Or like if they remember one detail from the 20,000 you just spilled, then it's like, they listened to the whole thing. Do you know what just hit me as well? This Mm -hmm. is the same tactic that cults use to get you to join. Bavna's emphatically nodding. Yeah, Bavna was like emphatically nodding her head. Yes. This is some Jim Jones shit. (laughs) Okay, because again, with the marketing, I thought, again, that we were going to get roped into some kind of cannibalistic cult a la Raw. And I got excited. I was like, Sebstan leading a cannibal cult? Sign me up. Not that way, but just for the movie. Also, Sebstan confirmed Raw fan. Right, correct. Uh, we dove deep into the press for this movie. We did. It's 
it's just so funny because we get the first 30 minutes of this, the first 33 minutes of this movie are this romantic comedy almost. But with that like razor's edge of like, this shane ain't right. <laughs> right. And so the whole film, I had this sinking feeling of with every minute that passed, when are we going to get to the scary part? When in reality, it was the boiling frog analogy of the frog in the pot doesn't know that the water is boiling because it's slowly being turned up. Yeah. And then once we get that t- that title card right at 33 minutes, I was like, inject this into my veins. This is extremely my shit. That like this 60s, is like that 60s distorted underwater feel. Love it. All we, about it. We live for that. But I will say now that we've gotten to the title card moment, Bob, I think it's time for us to take a commercial break. Yes, we'll be back with some more free thoughts after this. And we're back. Uh, So we hit the title mark. uh, That's what we discussed right before this commercial break. And I'm about it. I I had forgotten that we hadn't had a title, um, like a title card yet. Yeah. Card. Yeah. Well, and that's what drew me so much into this movie because... Any movie that can fully take me out of my current circumstances and put me into the scene is art to me. Not that other films can't, but yeah. like I said with old, I yeah. didn't check my phone. And and to be fair, to be fair, only one thing did take me out before the title sequence. And that was the fact that when the Noah and Steve were leaving Noah's apartment to go on their trip. Right behind him was a big shopper's drug mart. And for all of you Canadian listeners out there, uh, shopper's drug mart's a big brand over here. Think for, and for you Americans, it's like CVS. It's essentially everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the one consistent, like not the one, but there's several, but it's like one of the major drugstore brands out there. And I saw it and I was like, Oh, I'm out of cotton pads. <laughs> Oh, shit, I got to go. Like, I, and oh, I texted that to Jamie as well when I watched it. I was like, oh, shit, I got to go get done. Because, like, I could fall for the Pacific Northwest vibe, the Seattle vibe, or the Portland vibe that they were going for. But then I saw that. I'm like, Vancouver. That and the park that Noah and Molly are eating in, I'm pretty sure I went there with friends of the pod, Emma and Kaylee, when I was in Vancouver uh, last year. But um, Vancouver is very scenic, guys. You should go out there and visit. Yeah, it is. It's gorgeous. But, uh, it's absolutely gorgeous. The title sequence, though, like another thing, one thing that took me it's out of perfect. the title sequence was we've already mentioned this character, but Charlotte Lebon's name popped up. And I was like, this is the type of movie where, you know, you've met everybody that's going to be major in it beforehand. But she's the only one we haven't because I know, like, for those of you who don't know, Charlotte Lebon is a uh, Quebecois actress um, who got to play Oscar Isaac's wife in a film and in the same film, Christian Bale's girlfriend um, or vice versa. Yep. It was about, it was about the exodus from Armenia. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, 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 sorry for those. I realized that people can't see us. I just made the most (laughs) incredulous face. I was like, how do you get to play both? With music by Serge Tankian. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, and, but in this one, she gets to play Sebastian Stan's wife, which is the beautiful, blonde, sculpted lady. <laughs> and I'm just like, Charlotte, what is your life? Can I have it? <laughs> right. Okay. Did I she think have a so. Wig on in this movie? 
And I think, and I think it's a wig because Steve mentions to Noah that like, I sell like, you know, your meat, whatever your hair, that kind of weird shit people will buy. So I'm assuming that was my first thought was that that was a wig. Do we know for sure? So jazz, I don't know because jazz from girl that scary pointed it out. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can see the lace front from <laughs> outer space now that I'm sober and paying attention to it. Because the first time I watched this movie, we have the scene of Noah ordering a Manhattan with, quote, as many cherries as you can handle. And I love that. That's one of my go-to drinks. And so I made one. And then I just kept making it. I mean, why stop? Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was at home. It's fine. But with that title card, we get A, the surprise of Charlotte, which blew my mind, and I didn't know when she was coming in. And then B, we finally get that shift in Molly's character where she develops beyond her caricature, which I was super relieved by. Again, I don't think this movie tried to be satirical at moments. No. But it was. There were a few awkward moments It wound up being satirical at moments. Yes. Yes. It wound up being satirical at moments when it should have just been serious. Like we don't need any more irony around stereotypes. We especially don't. For example, when (laughs) Molly goes to, um, when she's in her detective mode and she goes to see Paul because Noah had mentioned that Paul, her ex, uh, Molly's ex-boyfriend was the bartender that night. So when she goes to the bar to kind of figure out like, okay, well my girl's been missing for, X amount of days, blah, 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 where. I think yeah, it's like three days like at that, that point. Yeah. And she, she goes to talk to him and stuff. And then they, you know, you get that little rapport that needs to go in there of, we know each other previously. Here is some proof, but then they go into this handshake that has nothing to do with nothing except for like the only thing that, I mean, please anybody correct me if I'm wrong. I just, it just jumped a stereotype of black people on handshakes. I didn't even catch that. I was so focused on her mannerisms and how she says, oh, hell no, and and stuff like that. But again, I'm friends with and know people that that's just how they speak with AAVE. So that's fine. That's it. It's just in the context of this very That's it. It just stuck out because we didn't – it just stuck out because we didn't get to see Molly – uh, and Paul have a previous kind of interaction and the stuff that they kind of did in the, sh- you know, show don't tell or the, you know, we just implied with whatever didn't really give us that level of uh, familiarity. What we got from it was just that, oh, we went on a date. It's done. We went on a couple dates. We're not together anymore. So here we don't even know why Paul would be inclined to help Molly look for Noah other, other than it was apparently like the yeah, best sex of his which life. Which I mean, <laughs> damn right. <laughs> You're sh- great. I yes. mean, she looks, she's very attractive. But thankfully, we do get that shift from the first couple of scenes when they're at the boxing studio. And she's yes. like, you don't need no man. She literally says, you don't need no man. And I was like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to like this movie. Thankfully, that turns around. But there's another moment that happens shortly after this when... Actually, I take that back. It's right before the title card when Noah's about to pass out and he's asking her what notes she tastes in the drink. When she says, so she takes three sips and that's his whole thing. He keeps getting her to take sips so that she'll drink enough to pass out. When she finally guessed 
guesses. Yes. When she guesses correctly, <laughs> apricot, immediately my weird, you know, facts <laughs> that I have stored in my brain went off. Because so apricot is seeds are one of the sources of cyanide. So having a shit ton of apricot in her Manhattan could have been cyanide poisoning, which would, of course, made her pass out. It It's little stuff like this that I think really saved the movie for me. And again, I overall loved this movie. I just think it's the little details that show off that this was a woman-led film you know yeah. a female-led like movie. it was it was really nice like little subtle touches what i found was like nothing was overt like he wasn't fucking walking around with a steak mm. knife and you know the psycho music wasn't fucking Dexter. playing when he showed up in the like it wasn't heavy-handed that's the term i'm looking for it wasn't heavy-handed mm-hmm. but it was if you have trevor tried to date a cis man Right? Like, <laughs> I think, and you, Bobna had such a good note Thank on this. You. you got such a good note on this. Where we, we were talking about that temporary dissociation and that blindness. That yeah. Like, I mean, people. I understand being super infatuated with a dude that you agree to, like, go to a third location or a second location with him. Because, for example, like, but, but like, for example, the most my ass ever agreed to was going from Midtown New York to Soho without knowing where the hell I was going. But... <laughs> You know, I was still cognizant, like, we are on the subway. He is not driving me. We are not getting in, like, someone's car. Like, I am, like, yeah, fine. He's leading me, but I can ditch at any point. Like, I was still very hyper aware of where uh, I was. It was just like, oh, we're in Soho now. Yeah, never, never go with a hippie to the second location. But not out of the city Uh, and not to somewhere with, like, no Wi-Fi service. Like, I understand. I understand her trusting him in the sense that, like, I've allowed him in my space. It's only fair if I go to his place. But he didn't even fucking tell her where they were going until they were in the car. And he also, huge red flag, he also said, I'm a plastic surgeon, which we can talk about classism for just a second, it was the level of his job that made her believe him because it, I have the hiccups y'all. Sorry. If he would have been like, Oh, I'm a still mill worker or I'm an office worker. There's no way she would have gotten. Absolutely the car with him. not. No way. Absolutely not. Because, but he had to have said he was a plastic surgeon. Otherwise, how do you explain that? Like seventies fever dream of a house or living that far outside the city dream house, or, first of all. Well, and then, of course, we have Molly who tries to save Noah's ass and is doing all the snooping while Noah's getting carved up. And again, this fed into the stereotype of the quote-unquote powerful black woman and like the quote-unquote, you know, black best friend. But I will say Molly being the only smart character Mm -hmm. really helped Maybe that's my bias speaking, but it really but saves. It also parts of this speaks movie to what we were talking about earlier about this being an allegory for abusive relationships. It's like you always have some, like that outside perspective that you don't necessarily believe or believe at first. You'll always have that outsider that sees things without the rose tinted glasses or without the whatever. And I have been that person for a lot of people in my life like a thought like from my parents to my friends to co-workers like because if you're not it's very easy if you're not in a situation 
to notice things that they don't notice. It's extremely easy to be that way, but it also then puts you in a difficult position. Like I understand Molly's position of it being very difficult that how do you bring this up with your friend? How do you do it? And like, I'm not like Molly who just can just be like, fuck, shit, fuck, like get out of there. Like, da, 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 like, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Then again, I've never had any of my friends be kidnapped for meat and cannibalized. And like, cannibalized? And please, Thank I God. would knock on wood. <laughs> Do not want that to happen to any of you, any of my friends. I know. I was like, I, I was like, I feel like we're accidentally. No, 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 no. Like Be gone, demons. We didn't read the Latin. By accident. <laughs> but, but, but back to back to my point is just that it's a very difficult position to be in because you have someone you care about deeply who you want nothing but the best for. And then you see these immense red flags and you know you can't necessarily say shit unless it's their kidnap for cannibal like you know for body parts so it's like okay cool like i see it and i sympathize with her because i am also a protective friend um in that sense but i also get her being kind of tired because it's like because several at several points it's brought up like ain't she white though (laughs) she says it multiple times in various ways but i think it's as well as, you know, being that friend that's like, hey, there's all these red flags. We should be aware of this. There's this moment where we realize that Molly has been captured. Not Molly. Excuse me. Well, Molly also does get captured. But Noah gets captured because he can sell her. Not because he's obsessed with her. Because before I knew as a viewer, that he was going to sell her meat. I thought he captured her because he was obsessed with her, which can be romanticized in a sick way, in a very twisted Yeah, way. it definitely sick can. Way, right? And he like, definitely could have flipped the switch on her because I genuinely feel Noah was that dumb. If Noah didn't have Penny oh, 100%. in the next room, 100%. 100% she would have fallen for it, and only because he was actually sexually obsessed with her as well, unlike the others. And that's the worst Mm -hmm. part. Like that felt like a whole other can of worms to let loose. It was like, oh, wow. He thinks I'm good enough to sell. And also I'm the only one he's ever slept with. To me, that was the perfect allegory for internalized misogyny. Not even allegory. Which honestly, and I think that makes the (laughs) final line even fucking funnier is that we know that Anne, Charlotte LeBond's character, and it's the way they did it was fucking beautiful as well. But we know through no words at all that she was one of his girls that he quote unquote saved. That sh- that shower scene mm-hmm. broke my heart when she undresses and she takes off her prosthetic leg. So because Molly at this mm-hmm. point has gone to the house, she's realized that Steve is married and he's trying to hide that fact. I'm not Stephen Brandon. <laughs> Obviously, because he's a ca- cannibal. Right. What a dumbass name. But Molly trying to rescue Noah to the point that she's willing to go to the perpetrator's house, I think that speaks to the fact that, you know, you will never have a stronger friendship than from a woman of color. And I say it all the time. And I'm a white presenting woman. Like, I tell people all the time, I'm white. Like, that's fine. But my 
female friends who are women of color, specifically black women, no one will ever hype you up as much, protect you as much, gas you up as much. And that's because of the nature of them, of you not being given that same, I know Bopna's like got her her head on her hands, like at your service. But, but in a, in a way that Bobna and I are very honest with each other, if I go out in public I'm well aware of how I'm perceived yeah. versus how you're perceived. And I think that's the bedrock of our friendship is that like, I would unfortunately be the no one. <laughs> and I would, hopefully I'm not as stupid. Unless, hopefully no, I'm not as no, stupid. no, you're definitely not as stupid. You wouldn't be, I would be like, she was drugged. Like she pleads insanity. She pleads temporary insanity. Like she's out of her mind. Especially because I'm so, confrontational in terms of men like I would be like I know you girls like to tussle um I just it's it's such a heartbreaking moment though where we realize that Noah is giving up this beautiful friendship for a man that a she just met b she knows nothing about and c that's literally eating her a lot and honestly I think the true horror of this isn't even the abuse allegory and all that stuff because you know that's just real life but sadly but it was that she was for sale that disgusted disgusted me me. and like sebastian stan actually was for i think it was his interview with flaunt magazine and he actually mentions he goes the true horror at that point he goes was that that she like it was the it was the commerce the coldness the not even like he was doing this to get off. Well, it was literally money. And that's goes back into that comment that I made earlier a few minutes ago. Of yeah. It's worse. It's worse to be sold off than it is to just Because be you can you can have that internalized misogyny if it's just like, oh, he just wants to eat my ass. But um but like, you know, you can have that like, um, oh, but I'm special. But it but the moment it's that heart sinking moment of like he doesn't even want to do that he wants to sell me to profit off of me. He wants to go on like, you know, human meat Amazon out there, which might be real Amazon at this point. Who knows? Like, (laughs) you know, and sell, sell you off the parts. And, and isn't that like the Mm -hmm. true horror though? Isn't that the actual horror that our dream men are actually cheaters and abusers and are selling us off? Yeah. That's the true horror Mm -hmm. of being a woman is that we're reduced to what's marketable. And as an actor, I felt that. (laughs) I bet you did. Oh, my God. Like, he, and as someone that used to work in the restaurant industry, short-lived, but same shit. Hmm? (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah, short-lived. I forgot about that. But that's why it was short-lived. Because I'm like, I don't have time for this. (laughs) I don't have time for this. Let Let me go somewhere else where I can wear pants that don't highlight my butt. We're good. Um, <laughs> but like, but that's it though. It's that sinking feeling of like that gut feeling of like, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. And like the, the, uh, yeah. the tired, the tired I'm into cis men need to just ignore it. <laughs> because I think what it means to be a woman who is, dating a man specifically a cis man is to sell parts Mm -hmm. of yourself it's Mm -hmm. to market yourself every first date is a marketing meeting and it's 
until you get comfortable with each other, that's what. And you know what it is like this. This was the perfect example of that marketing. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Uh, It's the perfect example of that marketing that you get in these situations where, like, first you meet someone and they love bomb the shit out of you. To like what we were saying, like the I agree with you. I have this in common with you. To dead parents, cheers. Like all this stuff. You know, like, oh, I moved out here from somewhere else, too. Like, I'm not from here. Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're great. Like, even that fucking cheesy as fuck line, like, in the apartment where it's like, oh, you know, like, first of all, consent is very sexy. So, like, I can understand why she was like, okay, cool. When he, like, backed up and was like, (laughs) we should stop. But um, later, like, just, like, 30 seconds later, she's like, okay, well, do you want a drink? Do you want water? Whatever. And he goes, just you. Listen, (laughs) hold on. Yeah. When he said just you, yeah. I said, sir, I am a <laughs> taken woman. Do not like, do not on. look at me with that tone of voice. <laughs> yes. Anyways. Listen, we've already shown our whole butts on this on this episode. You just have to deal with it. <laughs> but but in this situation, Correct. in this highly volatile situation, you know, it's like he says the right things and I'm not saying somebody saying the right things is a bad thing. What I'm saying is when the only things they're saying are the right thing and there's no moment for imperfection, then it's like, you okay? Do you ever trip? Like, do you ever like say something wrong? Do you trip over yourself? Like what's up? (laughs) Well, I think that's when we realize that he's not human. Or I guess the scary part is, Mm -hmm. is that he is human. And this is how disgusting a human can be. Because you Mm -hmm. and I talk about that a lot, about the real monster being ourselves. (laughs) And I think there's this whole thread throughout the movie of the male gaze. Because we get those cut scenes of men opening their treasure box of the girl's panties or her bra and a picture of the girl and then a piece of their body, which is another level of disgusting. I wasn't prepared for, uh, but and part million of Bhavna shouldn't have laughed at this, but she fucking did was when he held up the bra of one of the girls and just held it to his chest and was like, (laughs) I was like, (laughs) he was like, does this fit my pecs? I was like, yes, Seb. Yes, it it will. will. But that underwire is going to carve into your shoulders, boy. (laughs) Sir. But. I just think this movie is so beautiful. And I'm very passionate about it. Like, I think it's such a gorgeous film. We're full of feelings about this film, not just Sebastian Stan. Like, one of the things I actually really did enjoy about this film was that it made the cheesy fucking Saturday Night Fever choreography work. Like, in any other movie, like, it's almost, you know what? It's like Ex Machina. Yes! I thought of Ex Machina, and if you haven't seen it yet, after Yang. Yeah, after Yang has a choreography scene that works that you're like, the fuck is this? But you know what? I get it. Uh, Ex Machina has a a choreography scene. Iconic. Oscar Isaac's got some moves. (laughs) Tag yourself, I'm Donald Gleason in the corner going, what the fuck? Um, (laughs) But then, because the dancing isn't even like, let's hit the marks. It's very like, I'm just going to roll my shoulders and be very like cheesy and wavy. Well, they do the hustle at the beginning. 
And that I recognize. And then the rest of it is just Noah trying to seduce him, not in a sexual I way, mean. but in a yes. mental way. Yeah, it's still sexual, but it's not no. sensual, which I appreciate because she's playing into that stereotype of, I'm the good girl. I'm the Madonna in the Madonna whore complex, which she plays But listen, is anything movie. in that dress sensual? <laughs> no, sir. For a plastic surgeon, he has shit taste. That is a... I tweeted. I was like, that is the fuggliest dress I've ever seen with it's, like that picture of Regina George. It's very that's how I felt about it. And not in a good way. It's like what Carrie's mom no, would give her. Yeah, exactly. It's what dress. Carrie's mom would give her. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's. <laughs> no, it is. Hideous. But. Go ahead. No, I was going to talk about that say? scene because it's the buildup. That that whole scene, like Go she, for it. Yeah. so she gets this magazine that like he gives her because you know he actually does like her and that's apparent, um, you know because he actually one only took a little piece of her ass and didn't do anything else to her the entire movie. I mean, come on, he took the most inconsequential piece of, piece of meat off of her. Like, no, I mean, I'm inconsequential in the sense that she can still walk. I, she can. Also, no shade. I'm so sorry, but they didn't make it no. look like she was missing no. any ass. But where? <laughs> I was like, but where? But as someone who lifts and works out and like does squats and deadlifts, I text Bob. I was like, I would be well, so upset. Listen, I have no button. I'd still be sad. I'd be so mad. Your gains, though, those are hard earned. Mine is just whatever. But at the same time, I'd be like, no. <laughs> so mad you know what for me it wouldn't even be that they took my butt it would be like now it's uneven <laughs> it's the unevenness yes. i'm like just take both at least it'd be even <laughs> only for sebastian stan though anybody else no um so i guess that's an invitation sebastian stan you want to cut out both my cheeks go nuts um except please don't please don't um <laughs> now that i've digressed bob this <laughs> is how we get this, this is how, is we, get how we get blacklisted. You know right what? Here. No, I feel like he's. I feel like he's a fun dude. I feel. I feel like he'd think he it's would funny. think it's funny. Hopefully, I mean, you've, knock on wood. So, second time this episode. You know what's good. But what I was going to talk about was like the build up to the to <laughs> the build up to the scene where she they do do that like sensual seduction was really well done so she gets that magazine that somebody else had left her like we had said and in it it said like don't give up stay strong something to that effect if you get Pretty this much. he likes you. and so he she was like oh okay cool and you know she had penny her other woman of color hyping her up in the other room asian don't do not know what type of East Asian, but she was East Asian. So, but she was East Asian. But she was, and East her Asian, name was Penny. Right. Which I'm just like, y'all were not a stereotypical names for people. Anyway, so um, <laughs> sorry because that was like the third thing I watched that week with an with an Asian American character I named can't. Penny. So name Penny. Me yeah. too. Me too. It's fine. No, but it's, I mean it's not yeah, fine. You get it. But you know so what I mean. anyway, so she had her hype beast in the other room, and she had the the the. Uh, the magazine to keep her going. So she starts off really well. So she starts off by asking like, what does it taste like? You know, like that one oh one, that one oh one like <laughs> that one oh one flipping. Oh my God, yes. Flipping your your captor on you, right? And that intrigues him so much. Like to the point where he's thinking about it like two days later or whatever. And he comes in and he's like, Why did you ask what that tastes like? 
like what's up and she's just like i just asked what it tastes like that's all and he (laughs) she she does play Mm -hmm. that really well and so she because i think her character is deliciously awkward enough that she can pull off any kind of like slippage to like i'm just i'm just a female michael sarah you know what it is it's the bangs it's the bangs it's the bangs that does it. It gives her that like teenage like yep. look. So they take her out to <laughs> he takes her outside to the to the you know dinner table, gives her dinner number one. And honestly, I was watching it, rewatching it, and I was just like, I really fucking want meatball and pasta. But then again, I had had nine martinis before I watched that scene, so I was very hungry. <laughs> Okay, hold on. The fucked up part of this movie is that it made me hungry in pieces yes. the same way that Hannibal made me hungry. Because, you same. know, I love Hannibal. We, and I was like, oh, no. We will I'm be covering Hannibal woman. at some point on this pod because we all have lots of thoughts yes, and feelings correct. about Hannibal. But same. That's it. It was. Del- it looked fucking delicious because, you know, it probably was just a fucking meatball and, and pasta. But... As an actor, that's the dream for them to be like, "Hey, you're seen today. We're gonna feed you pasta." And you're like, "All right, but like, like, oh, so I can stop eating the one I brought from home? Excellent. <laughs> Sorry, craft services. I'm gonna have the set pasta. That's a spicy it's meatball. A spicy meatball. So <laughs> she goes. She has, yeah. So she We're goes to that rails, first dinner, and it's a chef's kiss, pun intended, because she has that perfect balance of like, I am disgusted that I'm eating human meat, but also like, Ooh, tell me more. This doesn't taste as bad as I thought. She does the perfect balance of what a lot of women do when they want to get off the date, Mm -hmm. when they want to get off that ride, which is like, let me, let me feign interest enough that you back off. And that while you're backed off, I can run away. Like it's that kind of like, or like, it's essentially just that, like, it's the cinematic version of trying to jangle the keys off of the passed out person. Like, <laughs> it is, it is in yes, the uh, yeah, part of Caribbean. Yeah. Uh, it's such a good moment of, I think, foreshadowing because then we get that brutal, amazing fight scene. One of my yeah. favorite scenes in the whole movie. Shout out to Sebastian Stan's stunt double, which we found yeah. a picture of on Instagram. Yes. We'll link in the show notes. He looked yes. great. Good job, buddy. But after this beautiful fight scene with all this amazing choreography, we get bartender Paul <laughs> looping back around because he's had Molly's location on his phone the whole time. And he has one of my favorite lines the whole movie. And yeah, I forgot the exact line, but it was just more like, we've seen this movie and we know we don't survive. <laughs> he's like, don't my survive. people don't survive. Like he's talking to himself. I, I was just like, laughing. oh, this yeah. is like a reverse TSA moment from Get Out. It is. But we get the girls running through the forest. And I think something that a lot of people had a problem with was the ending of this film. But I disagree. Yeah. I think the ending yeah. made it so did I. Strong. I thought the ending was great. And, like, that choreography between the three of them just, like, beating him up, I thought brought it right beautiful. back into slasher territory of this guy just won't fucking die. Like, he was, like, a beautiful Michael Myers. Like, he just wouldn't fucking die. Or he had big he Billy Loomis in him. I mean, he kind of does look like Billy Loomis, too. <laughs> He, he looks like Skeet Ulrich related. Just a little more. We're casting a future family but over when here. When Molly says, oh, we are, I'm sorry, y'all. 
when Molly says, bitches like you are the problem, and then beats her over the head, A, it's hilarious, but B, it's what we want to do to women who, like, continue to encourage that. Yeah, we're talking about Anne, correct? Because at this point, Bob... Yeah. Yes. At this point, Bob and I are begging the Anne's of the world to catch up to the Molly's of the world. We're tired. We want y'all to stop being pick-me's, and we're ready. Pick-me's, not pick-me's. And we're ready for for Bob and I dying. We're ready for everyone to realize that most men are Steve's in their own way. Steve, whatever the hell this guy's last name is, not Steve Rogers. But unfortunately. Unfortunately. They don't make him like that. But uh, you need a super super soldier serum for that one. But anyway... (laughs) It's like when she does hit him over the head and you realize that she's so complicit to the fact where she's not even upset that he's fucking dead. Like that she's so Stockholm syndrome into this that you're like, okay, well, any credibility we'd given you as a victim, like any kind of credit we would have given you as like, okay, you were just Stockholm syndrome into this is gone. We acknowledge it. We appreciate it. We respect that. That's how you got into this. But at this point you're like, you're so far gone that it's just like, I don't feel for you anymore, bitch. Like that, it almost negates that shower scene. I don't. It, well, because she's 100% complicit yeah. in the whole situation. Uh, well, I think we're about ready for closing thoughts. Speaking yes, of actually, of one of the things I want to touch about, we're going to just talk about the music in a moment here. But w- during the first dinner scene that Noah has with, with Sebastian uh post capture uh so the one where she does get to like taste the pasta which if i don't have pasta this week now i'm just gonna cry um (laughs) but fun fact about me guys i will always want pasta even if i'm like oh i want to eat this sandwich someone presents with pasta i go i'm like that girlfriend boyfriend meme with the hand holding that's like ooh pasta um but during that scene there's instrumental music playing in the back and i didn't catch this until my rewatch because I'm watching it and I'm like, why am I singing along to this song? Like, why do I know it? Why do I know the words? And it's a beautiful um, acoustic version of, well, not even just acoustic, like instrumental version of Exit for a film by Radiohead. Which, if you've listened to that song before or if you if you know of that song, fits the mood pretty freaking well. Which kind of ties into your Perfectly. note there, Jamie. Yeah, so my closing note was that every single song in this film either alludes to the theme of the movie or it's talking about not feeling good enough to fall in love or being held captive. So there's songs about taking a piece of me. There's songs about wanting to be with this person forever and you can't believe how fast you're falling in love. And then, of course, mine and Bhavna's favorite part of the entire movie – the final scene when she gets the yes. you up text after she survived this horrific encounter with her best friend. And it's the iconic yeah, yeah, yes song. <laughs> we loved it. We maps. went nuts for it. Uh, <laughs> I thought this. It, <laughs> kidding, no, no thankfully it wasn't maps. Jesus I Christ. <laughs> Can you imagine? I know. But Off With Your Head is so iconic, specifically the dance remix. And... I just think this film was so disgusting. I mean, well if we done. weren't already hit over the head with <laughs> Sebastian Stan's uh, ode to Tom Cruise, 
with going along to this beautiful cover of Obsession. And I'm like, if you didn't know what the theme of the movie was by now, or if you didn't know that he actually liked her, just listen, like, you know, you are an obsession. <laughs> Come on. That killed me. When he was doing surgery to that, my soul yo-yoed out of my body. I was laughing so hard. It's mm-hmm. such a beautiful movie. Um, I'm going to start mm-hmm. with my closing thoughts and then let you round us out. So my closing thoughts are this is like a 4.7 out of 5 for me. The only reason it doesn't get a perfect 5 out of 5 are some of those stereotypical moments. Just because I did want a little more out of the characters of color, you know. But I didn't see the twist coming because I didn't participate in any of the marketing. I specifically muted a lot of the trailers and things like that, which mm-hmm. Bob and I both do. And it was a good ass time. Like this is in my top, I'm going to say my top three of 2022 so far as of the 1st of April, yeah. you know, 2022. So my top three. Closing um, thoughts, I also give it about a four out of five because I felt like there were some things they could have done more in terms of like like you said the the um like molly's character and paul's character etc and even penny like giving her more agency than just a voice behind the wall type of thing i mean yeah i guess she served her purpose in that like meat is meat (laughs) it doesn't matter what the meat looks like because once you're you know once you're fried up you look the same but uh (laughs) mads mickelson do you have any notes on that (laughs) but (laughs) But I digress. I digress. I honestly went into this, not with zero expectations. I did have some decent expectations. Like I had said in the beginning, like for those of you that don't know Sebastian Stan's filmography, he's done things from like, he's not just Bucky Barnes, like, or, or he's not just Carter Basin from Gossip Girl. He's been, he's not afraid to do something crazy. Like he was in the covenant for those of you that know, you know, which we love we the covenant love the here. Covenant. So he was in, I mean, not the greatest of films, but in a, a stacked cast, the apparition. And if you want to go outside genre, like master class of acting in I, Tanya, uncomfortable to watch, but if it wasn't uncomfortable to watch, he wasn't doing it right. Um, Logan and Pam and, and, Tommy, Pam and Tommy. Oh my God. That one, if you really want to see his range, like, and especially, honestly, I would suggest, not just because they came out around the same time, but I would suggest watching Pam and Tommy, or at least some of it, in conjunction with Fresh, to understand that he's got those crazy eyes, but he can dull down those crazy eyes super fast. Like, that, like, that cocaine energy without being on cocaine. (laughs) Because, come on. (laughs) Did you watch Pam and Tommy? He had that cocaine energy going for him. He did. A, a little, little too, too well. well. In some but parts, like, but yes. I, I mean, I, yes, I am a fan, but also, come on. He's this man, is not afraid to go outside his comfort zone. Honestly, when you put him in like normal roles, or like if you were to put him in like that kind of role, he doesn't shine. He shines when you take him out of the box. And he's not afraid to go there. And he, even in his press for this film, like he's, yeah, he's method. He's not as method as some of those other, like he doesn't have the negative connotations of method like like a lot of other actors do, uh, male actors specifically. But the research he does and the care he puts into these roles 
shows. It doesn't matter if he's doing a film with a budget of a hundred thousand or a hundred million. He's going to put the same amount of care, research, and work into this. And he put his all into being this deranged Ted Bundy meets Jeffrey Dahmer like character. And uh, if you follow him on Instagram, he actually posted his audition tape. Which tells you everything you need to know. It's beautiful. beautiful. It tells you everything you need to know about this character. Uh, I know, I know. Now I'm just taking up all this time waxing poetic about Sebastian Stan. But it's not that there's not great things to say about Daisy Edgar Jones. Because there are. Like, she did, as much as we shit on Noah the character, she did play that, like, dumb bitch (laughs) really well. Well, but that's the thing is if she she wasn't an incredible actress, this could have been a really it, unlikable character. It could have been. And to quote Sebastian Stan, he says he does well when he's playing against strong women, which if you've seen his filmography, yeah, fucking tracks. Like anytime he's played against people like Jessica Chastain, hopefully 2022 Oscar winner, Jessica Chastain. We'll find out this weekend. Um, fingers crossed. Please watch the eyes of Tammy Faye. If you're in Canada, it's on Disney plus. So, yeah, but like, <laughs> we love it. you know, against her, against Margot Robbie, like against who I would love for her to do more horror, to be honest. Um, against old Daisy Edgar Jones. Like it doesn't matter for him. The best is like, they just need to be a strong acting partner. It doesn't need to be somebody well touted. Anyway, I'm digressing majorly here. What I really want to say is that as pun intended, this was a great fresh take on a serial killer film. And, I definitely suggest it for anybody that loves slashers, serial killers, or in general just has a flirtation with the macabre. This is a great modern take on the perils of not following your gut. That's it right there. Trust your gut, bitches. And if you can't trust your gut, trust trust your friend's gut. gut. Correct. Well, we are the Bloody Broads. You can find us on social media as at Bloody Broads Pod on both Twitter and Instagram, as well as anchor.fm slash bloody dash broads. You can contribute to us via anchor.fm and be on the lookout for a Patreon coming your way. And until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.